HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning, or no, good afternoon, and welcome. This is Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Katie Kiefer. We're broadcasting live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn, at 261 uh, Moore Street. There's actually a market out and back. So anybody who's within earshot of this broadcast, there is like a little holiday market. And God, they have some really wicked cool stuff. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, Today's guest is the wonderful Amanda Hitt. Um, She's been on the show before. Perhaps you remember when we talked about agricultural gag laws a few uh, months ago. Amanda Hitt is the director of the Food Integrity Campaign for the Government Accountability Project. Amanda oversees FIC operations and is responsible for ensuring that they fulfill their mission of enhancing food integrity by facilitating truth Oh, my God, what a novel concept. Founded in 1977, in case you did not know this, uh, GAP, or the Government Accountability Project, is the nation's leading whistleblower protection and advocacy organization. Located in Washington, D.C., GAP is a nonpartisan public interest group. In addition to focusing on whistleblower support in our stated program areas, we lead campaigns to enact whistleblower protection laws both domestically and internationally. Welcome back to the program, Amanda. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so oh, you were so much fun last time. And we just scratched the surface the last time you were on. Um, in fact, you were about to have a major protest about the proposed new poultry inspection laws, which are starting to get a little traction in mainstream news media, I notice. Um, and so that's why I invited you to come back and talk about them today. So um, why don't you uh, just start the show off with describing the proposed changes to poultry inspection regulations, which are going to be theoretically passed by the USDA in short order. Um, let's, let's just start with that basic kind of like what was, what was then and what is going to be now. Okay, I don't, I don't like that theoretical thing. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's pretend this is not going to happen. And, and okay. let's hope that your listeners hear us or hear me and, uh, and, and you know, make it known that they don't want this to happen because 
I certainly don't. We've gone, um, and let's start from the beginning. We're yes. talking about the jungle and up in Sinclair mm-hmm. and all these horrible things that happen in the meat industry when they go unregulated. Great, wonderful. Now we have regulations. Now we have uh, food codes, et cetera, et cetera, and, and things are so much better. Zap us into the future. Here we are today, and it looks like we're going all the way back. So I'll tell you, about, ooh, about a year ago, um, you know, I think that's, that's around when we talked, uh, the USDA said, hey, we're going to uh, implement the modernization of poultry slaughter inspection pro- rule. They, they wanted to propose this. And in a nutshell, it's, it, it says, you know what, we're just going to shift all the responsibility that the government used to have over to the industry itself. Have at it, guys. Good luck. Go ahead and regulate yourself. Yeah, and the, I, can, I can imagine Tyson et al. just rubbing their legs together like crickets at the thought of being able to self-police, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. We don't have to answer to anyone, and yeah. we've got this fantastic immigrant workforce that's never going to tattle on us, and we can just keep uh. Uh, running our game. But the, the, the long and short of it, what it does, this is masterful, I mean, this is the way to keep food safe, sarcasm, sarcasm. It's going to increase the line speed that the pulse, you know, the chicken's zooming down the line. Right. Right increase now. Increase that and decrease the inspection. That sounds great. What a great idea. It's a great idea to keep food safe. Modern. Modern indeed. Yeah. So that's where we are. Well, the thing is, is that, I mean, let's, let's, um, I'm going to, I'm going to boil this down for just a second and say that what the proposed changes are from what I've read are that the chain speed, and this, we're talking birds per minute, and they shorten that to BPM, which somehow makes me really laugh. But anyway, (laughs) birds per minute, they're going to inspect not 140 birds per minute, which is what they do now. They are going to increase that line speed to 175 birds per minute, right? That, that's right, but but yeah, I I got the inside scoop, I and mean, that's what we do at the Government Accountability Project. We we get the truth telling, right? We get yeah. it from the people that are in those plants themselves. We're looking at we're looking at speeds upward upward of two seventy five into the two hundred. It's that's what's happening. Oh, come on. We have these pilot programs going on, and we're watching this system as it as it goes, and hopefully doesn't grow. Well, but yeah, it's pretty fast. But, st- I mean, they claim, and we're going to play a clip in just a second from an interview that I had recently with uh, Dr. Richard Raymond, who is a former Undersecretary of Food Safety at the USDA. And um, we had a little chat about this because I had remembered our conversation before. And so since I had him on the, f- you know, on the phone anyway, I'd like brought this up. But um, what, um, how many inspectors are going to be left on USDA? I mean, there has to still be a USDA inspector on the line, right? Sure, there's, there's one. There, that's, one. That's inspecting. <laughs> that's right. So we've gone from several each uh, each checking, let's say thirty to thirty five birds per minute BPM, uh, to one doing one seventy five. Sounds right. like a plan. Sounds like a, a yeah, good right. plan. So. Like, okay, we're going to get to just, uh, Joe, you're going to cue this up for me right now. We're going to play this um, this little clip from Dr. Raymond, who was incredibly convincing, I have to tell you. And he and let, just to give you a little background before, this is for my listeners, I know you know this already, um, Amanda. He, um, he explained that over the last decade, that's 10 years, um, they had been testing in some 30 plants, I think 20 poultry, 10 pig, or you know pork plants, um, something called HIMP, which stands for HACCP inspection model program. HACCP, of course, being hazard analysis and critical control point 
which is really responsible for a lot of our new food safety and, and the reason why we're not all keeling over on a regular basis. And both Dr. Raymond and the current uh, administrator of FSIS, Al Almanza, have made the same claim, which is inspectors are better used as microbial police, meaning at the end of the line where they swab for microbes rather than doing the quality assurance that they say plants should be able to do for themselves. And our current um, Secretary for Food Safety, Dr. Elizabeth Hagen, is also on record in supporting this initiative. So, Joe, Play that clip now, and uh, and you and I will come back and talk about it in just a second. It's like 20 seconds. Implementation model program. So over the last decade and a half, those 20 plants have records, uh, the statistical records of, for instance, the microbiological sampling for salmonella, and they are better than the traditional plants that still use the same mm-hmm. style of inspection that was signed into law by President Eisenhower in 1957. <laughs> you hear me give a giggle there at the end. <laughs> I mean, just like, <clears throat> really? Okay. Um, so uh, since he's saying, and all these other people are saying, that they're, they're going to be doing more microbial swabbing, although with a chain speed of upwards <laughs> of 175, as you just said, um, I'm wondering just how many birds are going to get swabbed. Um, what, what do you think of that? Like, why, why, is, why is this such a bad model if they're actually going to do more microbial testing than they were before? Sounds like they're doing Senator, more. I got to ask, I got to, it's 10. You want to know how many birds are getting swabbed? 10. 10. 10. Out of 175 10, plus. So there, there's, the, there's another last uh, track for you. Um, <laughs> hey, that, was, that was Al talking. I like Al uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah. When, when the going gets tough and the government uh, wants to save pennies, sometimes they, they go after inspectors. That's, just, that's how it's gone for, for, forever. So this is a, this is a target that they, they, they go for. It looks really good. Um, I'm sorry I'm going a little off here, but it, okay. it, it, you've got to know the background here. I mean, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't, it has nothing to do with consumers. And, and the, the reality is, the stuff that inspectors used to deal with is not going to be being done by inspectors. So they're going, you know, streaming down the line, scabs, pus, feathers, feces, rolling down the line. Yeah. Who's going to stop that? Well, that was, that was one of my questions. Agency. It's like, is there any training for, I mean, are, they, are companies like Tyson and the other big poultry producers saying that they're going to train their own personnel as inspectors to, you know, fill the gap that these USDA inspectors used to fill? Are you going to laugh again? Is that a joke? Yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. There's no, there's no standardization. Amanda, you there's are nothing. They just do what they want. I mean, that's... that's oh, my God. Go knock yourself out. Train them the way you want to train them. Oh, wait, I know how you're going to train them. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah, like, right. don't say anything. Just let it, let it ride. You just oh, made me lose my headphones, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but so serious. They've, they've got these, 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 these guys, these workers, these ladies... They've gunned up these speeds, but no one even thought about what that would do to their bodies. It's repetitive motion. Think yeah. about the carpal tunnel, cuts, strains. Nobody cared. Nobody, right. nobody even did. No, no, uh, no study. No, no NIOSH study. Nothing. Amazing. They're just going ahead with it. You know, if, if it works for them, I guess, if it saves the industry, you know, money, yeah. great. But you know what? I want your listeners to know it's not going to save them a dime. Not well, a dime. I wouldn't it's got think nothing so. to do with them. If well, it's going to lower the standards, then they're going to pay the same amount. So there yeah. you have it. I don't, I, you know. Well, I, one of the it, things that Dr. Hagen said in, uh, you know, something that I read um, 
she said, well, what company is going to, you know, like, of course they're going to police themselves because it's such bad PR when people get sick from eating their food. So of course they're going to do a better job. And I just thought to myself, really? Because <laughs> I mean, like, what's what's wrong with her? Like, why does she not get this? I think she gets it. I just, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney also, and I, you know, I, I, I know some other food people that do small stuff, like Bill Marler, and I'm not going to speak for him, but, yeah. but I think he would tell you if he were here that that the threat of a lawsuit is not a regulatory uh, tool. It is not. It's not in lieu of regulation. Uh-huh. These guys, lawsuits are the cost of doing business. Uh, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, that you, just, you just put that in there. So, no, it, it's, it's, I do not think that anyone would tell you that it's, uh, uh, you know, civil suit is going to stop well, um, bad also, actors. Yeah, right. And also, I think it's, it's worth pointing out that when you're dealing on uh, the scale that some of these large poultry producers are dealing, it takes a while to trace foodborne illness back. I mean, again, Bill Marler, who's been a regular guest on this program, um, will say the same thing. It's very hard to do trace back. And the birds come from all over the place, and they go through these lines really fast. And, um, you know, once it's distributed into 50 different states, like, how do you figure out what plant is producing that particular strain of blah, 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 you know, salmonella or, you know, E. coli or any of the other ones, for that matter? There's that, too. And, of course, the industry always can fall back on, well, you should have cooked it all the way through. Oh, or, I, I mean, It becomes a consumer problem back in their face every time. And yeah. you know what? You, it, it, when you're dealing with poultry, this isn't something you can just cook away. I mean, this stuff gets on, it splashes on your kitchen counters. It gets all over the place. It gets mixed in with other things. It's, it, it, is, it, is, it is specifically dangerous in that way. You know, beef's not going to do that to you in the, in the same way as, as poultry would. So it, you know, it's hard for consumers to keep safe if the industry isn't itself doing the right thing in the in the production. So, you know. So what we're talking about here actually is um, is the not only the poultry industry having, uh, you know, lobbied and gotten, well, not yet, but hopefully won't get, but is lobbying heavily for this change in regulations. And so it's going to save them Money? No. It's going to save the United States government money not to have the USDA inspectors on the line. Or does the company itself have to pay for the USDA inspectors? No, no. This is a, this is a straight uh, cost savings to the American public by reducing the inspection force. I mean, that's, that's, what's, what, that's the claim there. The, uh, the industry itself only has to um, employ its own people in the same way that it has, probably offering a dollar more an hour for someone who does sorting who is not trained to do it, unlike the FSIS inspectors. Right. So it's really just, it's no skin off their teeth. It's all, it's all good for them. Uh, they're not going to have to offset, not like a so, user fee type of thing. Right. I, so I, I just want to like really drill down on this issue because I want to see like, where is the money? So the money saving is not going to be from the poultry inspection uh, from the poultry company, but actually from the U S government. In other words, our taxpayer dollars, which would be well spent on inspecting and proving our food safe um, is not is they're going to cut back on that cost in order to save a dollar. Well, they're going to. I mean, they're going to cut cut back on that cost. I mean, that the U.S. government is going to let go roughly, I'd say, eight hundred federal inspectors under right. this new proposal. So that seems like be that going, many, Amanda. What's that? Eight hundred doesn't seem like that many. Why? Are, I mean, there seems to be there should be like three times as many. I mean, it's, I mean, we not. should originally have three times more than that inspecting. 
175 birds per minute. Why don't they get rid of traffic lights? Now, now it's there, Bundle. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's seriously. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it's like $50 million over three years. And I, you know what? If I won the lottery, that'd be a lot of money. But, I, you know, I work in D.C., that's nothing. Yeah, yeah that's right. nothing. Over three years, are you serious? But you know that's exponential in, in profit for the industry. So in that way, the USDA is stimulating the industry, which is part of you know, their deal too. Um, but it often runs counter to food safety um, concerns, and, and that's where and that's where we are right now. I, I have no problem with the industry, you know, being successful and, 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 and doing what they need to do. But I just don't think it should have to come at a public health expense. I just don't think there's that much value or savings we can get out of 800 inspectors. It's just, it's not there. I, I don't see it either, I got to say. And they, and unlike the cattle industry, which has made much bigger strides toward food safety, in my opinion, um, I, you can certainly contradict me if you want to. But I mean, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, beef slaughter plants have third-party audits going on. They have video streaming. Um, none of that exists in the poultry industry that I'm aware of. Do you, do you have better information than that? In a way, I think that the poultry industry is smarter than the beef industry because they've managed to really shift the uh, uh, burden over to the consumers much more effectively. And the way they were able to do that is, is honestly, uh, raw chicken doesn't taste good, or rare chicken. I, I don't know yeah. if it's accidentally. It just doesn't taste good. So right. they're it's in a gross. better place because yeah. people will always overcook, cook or overcook their chicken. So that at least, they, I mean, like, and that way, they're a little better off. But I have a funny little story. You're going to love this because this is what you love to do because you're doing it on the show today. <laughs> I was talking to, to a big wig, big person at JBS Meat, right? Um, yep, yep, yep. And, and I loved it. He was trashing on the poultry industry like you would not believe. He was, oh, oh, he's like, oh, this new proposal is horrible. The beef industry would never do that. It was just it was hilarious. You have to you have to be there. Like the two industries collide, and who's the most jacked up of the of the two? And oh yeah, clearly, clearly, as you say, poultry loses on this one big time. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk for a second about the very um, many new strains of salmonella, which um, most of which are now uh, antimicrobial resistant or microbial resistant. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, I've done a lot of uh, quite a few programs about antibiotic resistance in the food chain and um, in livestock, particularly. And um, I just wanted to like touch that for a second because when we talk about swabbing ten birds a minute, how many strains Not of per minute, disease but... <laughs> or per set? Whatever is it? Ten birds per what? Like every uh, gosh, I need like two hours or something. It might be even less. Yeah, it's like a shift or something, two per shift or something. Oh my god! Anyway, please go on. ahead. Well, so how many, how many, how many different types of, um, you know, microbe are they actually swabbing for, and how long does it take for them to get the results and stop the chain? Yeah, you know, I think it's just start with what you're talking about with lots of different salmonella. There, there is no swab to cure it all. You know, there's not right. some this wonderful swab that knows all and can stop everything immediately. I mean, these aren't like, you know, super fast snap tests that just instant turnaround. But more importantly, because there's not one swab to cure it all, like right. starting with that. But we do know that feces holds a lot of bad things, yes. right? And I am not a Luddite. I think science is cool, all right? I like science. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but when it comes down to it, if you know, if, if you always know that no matter what strain you're dealing with, or E. coli, whatever you're dealing with, 
you're going to find it in the poop, yeah. then you should target the poop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but isn't that what the bath is all about? So, Don't they put them well, all in a bath? Well, <laughs> you, you beat me to the chicken bath. No, the, the, <laughs> but the thing is, that's what, that's what the eyes of the inspectors did. I mean, they actually yeah. saw the feces, and they were able to immediately pull that bird, assume that there are bad things in the poop. That's, you should assume that in life. Uh, yeah, I mean, life, I, I don't eat any poop-covered food myself. I mean, I'm definitely yeah. quite careful about that. So yeah, I think <laughs> so, most yeah. of us are, right? It's just like something but, you learn you very know. early on as part of toilet training. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now you want to get to the shit bath. Oh, I'm so sorry. The poop bath. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, excuse me. It's the milk bath. No. <laughs> Bathe okay, in the asses milk, milk yeah, so that they come out bath. rosy pink, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like talking about magical thinking, right? It's like I think of those fairy tales where the woman bathed in asses milk and came out like, you know, a whole new person. <laughs> Oh, my God. We're just getting out of control here. You know what, Amanda? Stay uh, on the line because I actually have to do a sponsor drop and I'm past that point. But um, um, okay, we'll be right back with Amanda Hit from the Government Accountability Project. This is a great show. Thanks so much. Okay, Joe, play our drop. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef. Pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, free-range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, the authentic flavor of the American West. Joe. We're back. This is Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and my guest on the phone today is Amanda Hitt from the Government Accountability Project. We're talking poultry, talking chickens. Uh, basically, we're talking shit right now. No. <laughs> Sorry. I think I'm not supposed to say that, but luckily it's internet radio, so I can. Um <laughs> Talking trash. Um, but uh, I'm going to read you a little statement that I, I picked up from uh, Chris Waldrop, who is director of the Consumer Federation of America's Food Policy Institute, just as a comment on this. What uh, Going back to the earlier part of the program, we played the clip from Dr. Richard Raymond, former um, Undersecretary of Agriculture in charge of FSIS. There has been no thorough independent review of hemp. That was the HACCP inspection model project, which is the catalyst for this new poultry rule uh, being considered as legitimate. Since 2001, when the GAO, Government Accountability Office, reviewed the program and raised serious concerns about the data presented by FSIS to justify the program, said Chris Waldrop, director of the Consumer Federation of American Food Policy Institute, FSIS announcement today, meaning I guess the day that they were announcing, you know, proposing these rules, preempts any independent review. Let's talk about that for a second. Like, here we have some a very large organization, you know, like your own, uh, another sort of whistleblower, especially about um, food policy. And yet, everyone is barreling forward on this, like it's, you know, the new gift to God. Now, what's going to happen when when this (laughs) hemp program actually takes over the entire poultry industry and can we also expect it to move into other like they tested it on uh, four pork slaughter plants as well mm-hmm. so can we be yeah. worried about pork in the future as well i hope not this it's such a joke um i don't he just he, he, i know chris uh, he's you know he's a great guy and and we we all no, we all came together 28 organizations including an organization called moms rising 
don't know if you know about them. It's, no, I don't. Mm, so it's an online network with like a million members. I mean, it's no joke. And, wow. and you know, they caught wind of this, and they joined our, our coalition. You know, it's like 28 now, maybe 29. And we have all these major players, and every single one of us, you know, Chris, and, and, and all, it's just a huge group singing in chorus, we don't want this. Right. We don't want this. The inspectors I've talked to, again, chorus of concern. Do not let this happen. And that it's happening is is not because it's a good thing, but because it's something that that's just got rammed through. I mean, that's that's what Chris is talking about in that statement. It just got pushed through in a way that you just don't see things get pushed through in D.C. So, really? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It shot out like a rocket. Wow. You know? um, it had you know it had been in this you know it was great. It had a pilot. You know, program which is, otherwise I think there would be outrage, but there was the pilot at least. But ultimately, you know, it's just it. Nobody they didn't USDA didn't talk to their own advisory committee. There were no public meetings. Everybody just got you know, wow, like slapped in the face with this, and it's been moving at a, at a, quite a clip. Um, and that's why you know you even said it too. It looks like it's it's inevitable, but I. I don't know. I mean, there's so many groups that, that don't want this and so many concerned people. 180,000 people signed the Change.org petition saying, we don't want this. How can you not pay attention to that? Oh, easily. I mean, Half a million people signed uh, Consumers Union's, uh, you know, no more antibiotics in our meat petition. And Trader Joe's didn't even bother to look at the petition. I mean, like they just didn't, you know, it didn't work for them. Even though they had initially given some assurance that they were interested in, you know, following through with that. But no, as it turned out. Um, I want to just go back for a second to what Dr. Raymond said in his clip, which was that the statistics of uh, microbial contamination had gone down under the HIMP program. Was he making that up? I don't think, I don't think it's a matter of making up. I, I don't think there's any, any use in, uh, in, in you know, pointing fingers. But no, I, I can't. I, I like I, him. I, I, yeah, he's a great <laughs> guy. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think we can disagree on um, how how that procedurally how the, those numbers came about. And mm-hmm. I I can say you know on my end and with with what I know that I have some doubts uh-huh. um, about about those numbers. And I think there's plenty of room for a robust debate about that. But I don't think I don't think the one that gets to cry. I did the best first is always the right one for the winner. <laughs> right, right. So, and also, um, but his... I do think there's some stuff. I think there's some little apples and oranges, some comparisons that you know needed to be uh, adjusted and corrected for that were not, and that's what we've got. Yeah, and I think that the other thing that he didn't address, which I think is a very important one, which you brought up earlier, which was uh, food, uh, you know, worker safety, safety issues on the on the line, and the fact that nobody. Can look. I mean, I th- is it your website that has the birds per minute, like showing that, like really quick, like how fast a third of a second is? Yeah, yeah, we have that, and so does um, uh, Coalition for Sensible Safeguards also has that graph. Yes, it's a fantastic graphic, and I really urge people to go take a look at it. Um, it shows you how fast the line speed is as it is now, not even as they projected. And, um, and just the idea that people are, are able to inspect for anything. I mean, I barely, if you blink an eye, you've missed five birds. I mean, it's just incredible. So um, 
Let's go back now because we almost have to wrap up this program. Unfortunately, Amanda, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, what do you think uh, the industry should do to improve and streamline food safety standards in the poultry sector or any other sector of livestock? You're asking me um, to give what? advice to the industry? Uh, yeah, why not? They, they care a lot about what I have to say. <laughs> uh, well, well, they I, may not know, care, I, but they. but I'm sure you have something good to say. About the industry? Yeah, I think what, I mean, I, like, they do want to streamline the practices. They do want to make it better. Like, okay, assuming that they are, are, are motivated by consumer safety issues rather than profit motive, what would your best advice be to them in terms of how to make food safety uh, more of a viable option for them? I, I, would, I would say, you know, build in, build in, the, build in to save food the actual cost. So, in other words, if do what it takes to create a safe product and, and a product that was produced with integrity. And, and then in that way, I mean, uh, integrity is for, with regard to the workers and their treatment and, and what's being done to them. Create that safe product and charge people what that really takes. And I know that's not everybody's favorite thing, but if you've ever bought a, you know, a happy chicken or a happy turkey from a heritage sort of farm or something, sure. you pay for it. You pay for it. You got to pay for it. Yeah. And if, if you want to create that safe product, then... Um, then don't, don't cut corners and, uh, and exploit people and play fast and loose with uh, feces and then dump it in chlorine and call it a day. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's, something, there's something in between what we've currently got and, and what we used to do that might be the, the perfect place for, for the industry to operate. But I think the bottom line becomes like you, have to, you just have to pay for it. And it might be as much as five cents a pound. Um, but uh, it's it doesn't have to be. I mean, it doesn't have to be as expensive as heritage birds are. Although those are, you know, they're a fabulous alternative. But I mean, the thing is, is that in the poultry industry, they could come down with uh, just a little bit more money and make a much safer product, which in the end would only ensure a higher profit margin for them on the long term. But um, anyway, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up, Amanda. This has been so fabulous. I think I have so much fun talking to you. So um, tell us about your website. Tell us about any other projects you're working on. And, um, and you will be coming back soon, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I've got something for you. You're going to love it. Um, so, uh, so we sued the FDA on yeah. antibiotics. So that's our, that was our big thing. Um, and I, I know that doesn't sound exciting, but sometimes you have to use the law to get results. Oh my God, I think that sounds amazing. You sued the I FDA know. on antibiotic use? Yeah, Brava. it's like having a baby. It's like, yay, you know, they sued Whoa. our former client in ABC for a billion dollars for being mean and saying pink slime. So we're going to sue them for, you know, <laughs> the truth. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what we've got. We want your truth. Yeah, yeah, bring so it on. Tell us, FDA, what's going on with antibiotics. And so people can um, look in, on your website to see more information about that. And you you yeah. and I are going to be talking about that again really soon. Because that's like oh, this yeah. year, this since the fall, I've had three main, I don't know if my listeners realize this, and every time, every once in a while I stray, but basically I've had three prongs to my show ideas, which are food safety, antibiotic use in the food chain, and genetically modified crops. Those are my Excellent. three big things. I know, yeah, right? Because it's like it doesn't really get picked up that much. And um, and I there's so much information out there. And I've had some really wonderful geeked out conversations with scientists. I've so enjoyed them. <laughs> so um, anyway, so please, people go to the GAP website. And um, and that's the Government Accountability Project. And it can be found at what? 
www.foodwhistleblower.org, and that'll get you right to, to the food-related website. Awesome, awesome. Food Whistleblower. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Amanda, on a Sunday. I really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be in touch. And I'm, I've got to come down and visit you, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we have your huge palatial offices. But yeah, yeah. Again, sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that? Anyway, thank you so much. And next week, my friends, uh, we will be sweet talking with Kristen Cousins, the co-author of Big Sugar's Sweet Little Lies, which was in the uh, November-December issue of Mother Jones, all about the sugar industry. She wrote that with Gary Taubes and was the lead research scientist on it. So um, that should be a really interesting show as well. This has been another fabulous episode of Straight No Chaser. Thank you so much to my sponsor, uh, The Hearst Ranch. I love you guys. And thanks to my engineer, Joe Galarraga. See you next week. Thanks a lot, folks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.